Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. We have heard the voices of a few we briefly looked at the experiences of mixed kids in the foster care system over the last couple of weeks. And thinking about other voices, I wanted to reflect on those voices shared between daughters and mothers. As a clinician, I work with many individuals and many families. I am also a daughter who has spent countless amounts of time trying to understand my relationship with my mom. So this podcast is in reflection to many of the children trying to get their mother to understand them and my drive to understand what my role was as a daughter. Parents bring children into the world for various reasons. Some are because of love, both for the partner and their child. Maybe they were young, things happened and a pregnancy occurred. Perhaps they were in a relationship where they desire to share being a parent with someone else. Maybe they were getting older and just figured they needed to do this before the pressures of filling it were too late. There are many reasons why women choose to have children. Let me introduce Bubble to you. She is a Caucasian female and was raised primarily in a low income mixed culture community. Bubble is an only child. Her mother conceived her when she was in her late 40s. Her mother felt this was a blessing. Her first pregnancy after many, many years of unprotected and unsafe sex practices. Bubble's mother did not have this long-term desire to want to be a parent and to have kids. In fact, she believed she never would have children and that was absolutely okay for her. Until this time when she discovered she was pregnant with Bubble. There's a little bit known about Bubble's father, 
because his name and some identifying identifying information's on the birth certificate. However, he was never involved nor participating in the parenting of Bubble. In the beginning, Bubble was born into a family whose life had some, but not a lot of meaning, at least for her mother, Brenda. Her mother did have a fantasy, and the fantasy that Bubble would grow up and bring her great joy and lots of excitement, that she would be able to do things in her life that her mother was not successful in doing. The things her mother dreamed about and didn't accomplish, she felt Bubble would be able to be motivated and desired those same things. Bubble through her mother's eyes was for her to live again, maybe a sort of reincarnation, a part of her mom's fantasy. Generational traumas go back many generations and the imprinting on the genetic makeup carries information from genes to genes. So Bubble will inherit it inherently uh, will inherit information that is linked both from her mother and father's genetic pool. Bubble came to me at the age of 10, and she was going on 21. A lot of you will know what that means, especially if you're a parent. Bubble at this time had many intimate relationships, both with boys and girls. She would occasionally drink alcohol and smoke marijuana, at the park with her peers. And for her peer group, this was socially acceptable activities. Bubbles' struggle was in school, mainly lack of focus, not feeling motivated. She just did not like going to school. She didn't like the schoolwork. And there were a few struggles with bullying peer relationships. At the onset of treatment, Bubble believed the challenges resided with her mother, Brenda, and not with her. In trying to understand more about how Bubble understood her mother and their relationship, I had many opportunities to reflect on my interaction with my mom. I recalled a time when I was about in fifth grade and things weren't going really well for me. Although I was doing well academically, I had many emotional and behavioral concerns which were reported by my mom and the school. You see, I too was like Bubble in some ways. I believe the problem resided with my mom and that's it. Like many girls, including myself, Bubble put the blame and focus on the other parent. The one healthy adult, sometimes the only adult available in the child's life, as a child, the belief is that a mom must do and be all. They must not have their own traumas and their own stories. They must be financially, emotionally, and energetically healthy. The expectations we have on our mothers are high. But when you are young, you don't think about it this way. You think about the flaws, mishaps, imperfections, and you react to trauma reminders and triggers. Bubble's symptoms of depression were increasing and her pain made suicide look like a good option. Several things come to mind in my reflection on my work with Bubble and her mom, Brenda. 
First, the communication exchange between Bubble and Brenda was challenging to see and experience. There was name calling, demeaning remarks, belittling, and just outright defiance, mostly from Bubble. And I really couldn't fully understand the intensity as to why it was directed towards her mom. When I was around the same age as Bubble, I reacted towards my mom in this way as well. I would go into my room, I would say mean things and even yell under my voice, of course. She couldn't hear most of this. I had thoughts of wanting to leave, just running away. I had thoughts of suicide and not wanting to live in my house as things must be better somewhere else. So I tried to escape this pain that was building up in me over the years. This is why at times feel this level of intensity in their relationship with their mom. It builds up a passive aggressive way to manage such intense emotions. It took me some time, observation and participation in other relationships to see that it is just not with the mom but could happen as well with dad or whoever the primary caregiver is. It happens to the parents who are present, accessible, and safe enough for the child. Through the lens of the child, the young girl, life has hiccups. She is struggling with hormonal changes, expectations from parents and peers, trying to connect with peers and the environment while engaging in social relationships, she is navigating increasing demands from school, lack of self-confidence, low self-esteem, and feeling that your voice is constantly being judged. Bubble often, not necessarily often, but Bubble would you know, say to me on a few occasions, my mom says I'm just too mad. Suppose I tell her how I feel, then I become too emotional. If I share something that happened at school, then there are these things that I should have done differently. So there are two things that are going on in the mother-daughter relationship. One, a present, accessible, and safe parent will get all the good stuff from their children. Regardless if you were mom or dad or both, the parent that the child perceives is good enough, trusting enough, safe enough will get all the fluctuating emotions the young person is managing. You see, Bubble clearly was working on a few things, probably emotionally, physically, hormonally, socially, before even starting therapy. Unfortunately, Bubble did not have the support, guidance, and relationships to pour all this into. So she did what most of us do we give it to the safe adult in our lives. For Bubble, that was her mom, Brenda. For me, it was my mom. For children in foster care, it may be the foster parents, the single dads out there, it may even be you. Bubble used her mom as a tool to process, work through, and survive through these experiences. Bubble was trying to find a way to talk to her mom, Bubble was letting her mother experience what it was like 
to be in her shoes. Bubble was literally and figuratively screaming. Bubble was trying to connect to her mom in a way she knew her mom, like most moms, like me as a mom at times, we miss it. We miss it. We dismiss it. We project it out onto something else. We push it away and say it's their problem. And I'll get back to that next week on the voices of the parents, so stay tuned. Two, Bubble, like many children, are working on cognitions that are still being formed within the brain. Remember, the brain doesn't develop fully until 25 years of age, and this is the, the last part of the brain to develop is the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is responsible for reasoning, judgment, and making choices. This helps support the idea that although children and young adults can be highly educated, appear to be responsible, mature enough, they are still growing biologically. However, there is a pattern of communication that I see in many relationships, and I think it fits well here. There is a parallel process going on, and this helps us understand more about the mother-daughter dynamics. Underlying Bubbles outbursts, she struggled to trust and feel her life has meaning. She experienced her birth as a tragedy, tragedy and not one of love. She believed she was not lovable by anyone. She was abandoned by her father who wanted nothing to do with her. She was hated by her mother who she felt pushed her away. Bubble had no one to connect with her to help her believe that her life was meaningful. She never recalled early birthday parties. She never recalled family night events, family vacations, or shopping. Bubbles' trauma was deeply embedded during infancy, and there was a lot to unpack. Bubble did what most of us do and provided her mother with experiences so her mother could feel as she did. Keep in mind, this happens on an unconscious level, so there's no intention. There's no purposeful behavioral indications in how this is expressed. Bubble, Bubble would yell, scream, and belittle her mom just so that she could experience the pain she felt when she cried and no one would pick her up. Bubble hurt. So she did things to get her mother to see and experience the hurt she had experienced. I recall a time in my past after getting a spanking with a belt and trying to stop my mom several times. I yelled at her and told her I wanted her to die. So you see, I was in pain, physically and emotionally. I was hurting and I wanted her to hurt to experience what I was experiencing. I can't recall if it worked or not, but the idea is when a child is going through something, they can express it in a way so that you can experience it as well. I knew that this was part of some of the dynamic things that go on in the treatment room. I support children in this way clinically in my office, but 
it also happens in the mother-daughter relationship. The young person is trying to get their safe person, the adult, mom, dad, caregiver, foster parent, to see what it is like to feel the type of pain they are feeling. They want to provide the adult with a real life, real time experience. Whoa, this is creative, ingenious, and brilliant. On behalf of the children who can parallel process, we can now do more than just play with kids, but support them through these parallel processes. We can take advantage of this as a resource, a place of information and transformation. I want to continue this part as we reflect on the voice of the mother for next week, and I will share my experiences as a mother. Thank you to my mom for being the mom you are. All the good and all the bad, because at the end of the day, I am the woman I am because of the experiences you provided in childhood. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient Kemetic Proverbs.